Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. So we are back uh, this week with an exciting interview. We have Tony Gomez from Law 4 Dominicana joining us, and we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on with Law 4 Dominicana. Um, we're going to talk about their NFT project. We're going to talk about the factory, Lido, the family, uh, a whole bunch of other releases, and also give a little tease to what you can expect uh, to come out this summer uh, and to be introduced in a couple weeks at the PCA trade show. So let me bring on Tony. Hey, How are you? <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining. Like you were always, I know I've, I've said this a lot over the last couple of weeks, but there's like a certain group of people that I was like, if I can get this podcast like in working order and off of uh, Instagram live, I was like, Tony Gomez is definitely one of those people that I want to have have on, but it can't be this Instagram live uh, thing because it was a very uh, shaky situation. So thank you for, for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on and, and thanks for considering me for that. Well, yeah, it's funny because you, usually always... I'm, I'm the Instagram live guy and my dad's the, uh, you know, the, the, the professional guy. You know? <laughs> so so I appreciate that. You know, that makes you feel good. Yeah. I was, well, I always tell people, people always ask me, you know, what cigars do you like to smoke and stuff like that? And I always tell them La Ford Dominicana because people, I guess with me being the writer that I am during the day, they think that I uh, have always smoked cigars and I have not. So I didn't start until 2015, which is not that far, you know, away from here. And I remember going to my pro first pro cigar in 2019 and, and uh, all the media people tend to hang out. So I was with Yami from, Cigar Snob. And I remember both she and I were on the Law Florida Dominicana tour and it was our early morning. And uh, she was like, did you, Antoine, did you eat? And I was like, sort of. I was like, I had a, like a donut or something. She was like, oh, I hope you're going to be okay. She was like, this, these cigars are, are really strong, Antoine. She's like, y'all don't think you, you realize it. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. And I was pretty good. I was like, I, I, was, I was pretty good. It was a, a good experience. And so ever since then, I've tried to work my way through your your portfolio. So uh, La Florida Dominicana is one of those brands that I'm really fond of. Um, so I usually tell people La Florida Dominicana uh, because I think you all make some, some pretty good cigars. Much appreciated, my friend. Thank you. So I definitely want people to kind of get your story and get your family story because uh, I just worked on a, a story about you all for uh, a magazine that I work for, Tobacco Business Magazine. So I know that you were interviewed by the magazine's uh, art director. Um, mm -hmm. So I kind of got a, like the fly on the wall effect of hearing your conversation and hearing the story about the family. So I kind of want to kind of bring that forth here in uh, Deep Cuts today and have you kind of share your family story and also your uh, story and journey within the cigar industry. And just kind of give us an idea of like what's like I said what is La Florida Dominicana because it's one of those brands that I think is pretty big but it was funny because I there was a part of your interview where you were talking about how people kind of think that since you all have your own factory that you're just big operation and then until they get there and see the factory they don't realize that you're a small operation but I still think you're a big operation and I've seen the factory so um, I'm curious to hear your your story um, and so I just wanted you to kind of share with us how did you get into the industry and did you always intend to join the family business or was it one of those 
things that kind of happened by chance. Sure. Well, uh, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're right on, on what you mentioned. We're, we're actually, you know, there's a perception that we're a lot bigger than we actually are, which is, I mean, that, and that's, we like that, you know, I think, I think that's great. Um, that, that's exactly what we want, but we're, we're actually, people are probably surprised to hear how small we are, you know, compared to some other factories. Uh, but the name is strong. So, so that's, a, that's a good sign. But, um, so, so yeah, LFD is, is a very unique creature in, uh, in the cigar world. You know, it's, uh, we, we don't have the, the kind of the story that you're used to hearing. Uh, it, it, LFD, I mean, in reality should have never happened. This shouldn't be here. This is just a crazy, crazy idea, uh, that, that my father had like 28 years ago, you know? Um, and I guess, you know, to fully understand it, you know, I, I got to give you the whole history, right? So, so my, my father was born in Spain in uh, La Coruña, a little, little fishing town on the coast. Um, and he was about two years old. The family immigrated to Uruguay, uh, a tiny little country in South America. Uh, and that, that's where he grew up, right? Um, he, you know, at one point when he was 17 or so, he became a professional soccer player. Um, but you know, Uruguay is a very poor country. Uh, so they didn't have any money to pay the soccer players, right? So he, he had to, you know, move on with his life. And uh, he made his way to Toronto. Uh, that was the first time he left the country. He went to Toronto, Canada, didn't really speak any English um, and didn't, had no idea how cold it was going to be, I guess. But, uh, you know, he, he started, you know, he got a job at a factory and then he went to a restaurant. He worked as a busboy and then, uh, you know, he became uh, actually a dishwasher and then a busboy and then a waiter. You know, and he kind of did did the whole thing at the restaurant, uh, which is why he's a very good cook today. Right? He learned a lot there. But um, he was there illegally. So, you know, they caught him eventually and they sent him back to Uruguay and he kind of had to start from square one. Um, so he goes to Buenos Aires in uh, Argentina, opens up a little store. He sells like wine and cheese and things like that. Um, meanwhile, his brother, my uncle, uh, had moved to Miami. And my father went to visit him. And, and I guess it was kind of like one of those love at first sight things. You know, he went to Miami. He's like, this is, I got to, I got to be here. Right. So he, he found a way to get there. And, uh, and so they, you know, they, they partnered up on some businesses. You know, I think at first they had a, a liquor store and, and then eventually they opened a nightclub. And then eventually he, he opened a pawn shop. It was called Lido's Cash. And uh, there he learned a lot about jewelry uh, and so he took it to the next level, opened up his own jewelry store, um, at the jewelry store one day, you know, it, it wasn't the first time this had happened, but this was like kind of a little bit more dramatic than, than previous occasions Well, he got robbed, right? Two guys come in, uh, uh, with masks and guns and they tie him up to a chair in the back and blindfold him. One holds a gun to his head. The other one clears the whole place out, you know? And I think at that moment, he, he just kind of said, you know what, uh, fuck this, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. So he, you know, he, he sold the business, I guess he recovered some money through his insurance. And then, you know, it was what's next, what, what, what do I do next? Um, and, you know, he was a cigar smoker at the time, but he didn't know anything more about making cigars than anybody else. We have no family history in this, right? So this isn't like, this was passed down from generations and this and that, no history. Uh, he just got this idea in his head that he wanted to do this, right? And the reason I say that LFD shouldn't be here and how this is a crazy idea is because, you know, this is 1993, right? So very different industry from what it is today. 1993, the scar industry was actually a dying industry, you know? It, 
people didn't really know what the future was. It wasn't doing very well. Um, and, uh, and when you look back then, like, you know, the, the brands that existed then, those are brands that were around for generations, you know, all, all the cigar factories and the, the brands back then, they had been around for, for a long, long time. There was no new companies, you know, nobody came down at the ER open factories in those days, you know, fast forward today, you know, you have new brands all the time, right? Which is a good sign uh, people want to be a part of the industry. So that, that's a good thing. But back then it wasn't like that. If, if you weren't in it for generations, you didn't get into it. You know, there was no newcomers. And so yeah, he consulted a lot of people. Everybody told him he was crazy. This doesn't make any sense. You're going to fail. Do not do it. Please don't do it. Uh, and, but luckily, you know, my, my, my dad is very steadfast. You know, he, he gets an idea into his head and it's just full speed ahead. And, and the guy makes it happen somehow, you know, he, he didn't finish high school. He's got no college education. Uh, he's, he just has a lot of, a lot of common sense and like a, a amazing work, work ethic, you know, like you've never seen. And so he decided he wanted to do this. And he also decided that, you know, he didn't want to contract a factory to make the cigars for him. He needed to make them himself at his own factory, which, uh, again, he had no idea how to do. Right. So that's a problem. Um, he moved down here. Bought a little tiny spot, you know, is a hole in the wall, and got to work, uh, and got to work on figuring it all out, right? Uh, um, I think the the first twenty thousand cigars that he made, something like that, he 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 had to tear them up and throw them away because they, they sucked, you know, they were no good, um, and so it was a huge learning curve. A lot of people helped him along the way, and then it ended up being great timing, right? Because about ninety four, ninety five. That's when the cigar boom starts to kick in. You know, Cigar Aficionado comes out in 92, and then it eventually leads to this boom. Like in 95, 96 is really where it peaked, right? So it gave an unknown brand like LFD an opportunity because all the other brands, they were backward. They didn't have enough cigars for the market. Nobody could make enough cigars. So LFD, whatever, send me whatever you got, you know? Uh, and so it gave us a chance to, to, you know, find some space on the shelves in the shops and... And, you know, it, it kind of started from there, right? Um, and little by little, the factory grew. A few years later, like 97, 98 or so, he decided that, you know, he needed to buy his own farm uh, to really fully control everything behind the process. And again, he didn't know anything about farming tobacco, you know, so he has another thing he had to learn. Um, but that, you know, that ended up being the best decision we ever made, right? Because today we can really say that we control every step behind uh, our cigars, you know, La Florida Dominicana cigars are made by La Florida Dominicana. The tobacco is grown by La Florida Dominicana. And, uh, you know, we, we got control, man, you know, and, and we get to make the cigars that we want to make. And, but yeah, it, it, it's a crazy story. And there's a lot more detail that I could get into, but we could, we could spend the whole show talking about it. But that's, that's how I let started, man. What I think is cool about the story is like you were saying, your family, a lot in, in the cigar industry, you hear about, you know, my great grandfather started off in Cuba and they, he migrated to Nicaragua or Honduras or Dominican Republic and kept on going. And then my father started the company and then I started in it. And then, but like you said, like your, your father started and he was like the first generation of, you know, your family's tobacco business. And I know when I was, working on your story and listening to your uh, the interview that you did with the art director um 
and I heard the part where you said, you know, like, you know, about Leto not going to the university and stuff like that. But to me, it's cool because he learned on the scene and yeah. you would never think today, like it, it didn't matter. I mean, he, he's the epitome of an entrepreneur in my opinion, because it's like he was willing to put in the time to learn what it took to, to really get this business going. And really to me, maybe what's, I don't know how other people would, have, would feel about it, but to me, he was a blueprint of like the boutique movement because he started his own factory from the get go. Cause he, you know, rubbed some crystal ball and foresaw that, you know, relying on others was not the way to go. Um, you know, he, he has his own farm. Um, it just seems like I said, La Florida Dominicana is like the, the blueprint for the boutique movement really, because you all kind of showed everybody else this is how you do it. You know, it's going to be more costly. It's going to be more time consuming. You might not have the same success like right away, but if you put in the time and the work, then you're going to lay a foundation that will give you a brand that can last, you know, decades. Sure. Now, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that, you know, the, the art philosophy, you know, we, we didn't invent this philosophy, right. And there, there have been other brands that existed before us that, that operate in the same way, but, uh, it, it's definitely, you know, obviously a, a tried and true way to do things. And, and yeah, I, you know, I don't know what the exact definition of boutique is, you know, I think everybody's kind of got their own definition of it, but, uh, I mean, I like to think at least that we are a boutique style manufacturer because I mean, I, I don't know what else you would need to be one, but we, we do everything the right way. We, we make a lot, we make far less cigars than we can sell. Uh, I think that would be a, a good a good requisite for it, right? So we're not we're not making as many as possible to sell as many as possible. We're making as many as we can within our quality standard, and that's a rule that we stick to. So it doesn't matter how many cigars we have on back order. You know, we we're immune to the back orders at this point, right? We we do what we can. We make them how, as many as we can, and if we can't make any more, then we just don't, and that's it. And I think that's a good you know uh, thing to have because you have to realize that people have to realize that this is a handmade product. Like you are not mass producing it. And what I think is cool about pro cigar is that when you're at pro cigar and you go on the law for Dominicana tour, you get to see the factory and you get to see the individuals who are sitting there making this product. And you, and then you kind of realize and it clicks like, Oh, you know, this isn't some mass, you know, this isn't a big factory somewhere where we're just shooting out cigars and, you know, it's all robot driven and AI stuff. This is like, it's real right. handmade people uh, doing right. the work. And so, yeah. yeah, like you said, of course it's going to be a back order. It's almost like, like, duh, like you can't, you're not working there 24 hours a day. Um, you know, you, you can only, you're kind of dependent on the people who are putting in the work and the time to really make sure that that's a handcrafted product. But that's like, a, like I said, the cool part about your brand is that it really is handmade handcrafted boutique absolutely that's yeah that's to me it's one of the coolest thing about things about cigars is that it's really if you really if you really look at it like cigars are made today almost exactly the same way they were made 50 years ago 100 like 100 years ago and nothing has changed right because none of these processes can be uh can you you can't you can't use machines to do any of these processes right fermentation is fermentation it takes how long it takes and, and nothing can really change that sorting 
you'll never find a machine to do that. And and obviously cigars have to be hand rolled, and a, a, a machine will never have the touch required to roll a cigar. You know, it, uh, a machine made cigar, whatever, it, it's a whole different. It's an entirely different product. You know, it's got nothing to do with what we're doing here. Right. And so, at what point did you come into the family business? And like I said, was it something that you always imagine yourself doing or was it something that just kind of happened? Um, so no, it wasn't, it, it really wasn't, you know, um, I, I was, I was like seven years old when, when all this started. Um, so I guess I, you know, I, I almost kind of grew up around it. Um, and you know, my, my father is not the type of person that pressures anybody into anything, you know I mean? He, he always made it very clear that, if I ever want to be a part of the business, he would love to have me and I'll, I'll have a spot in the company. Um, but it, it, he always insisted that I do something that make me ha that makes me happy, whatever that might be, uh, whether it be with the company or, or doing whatever else. But that, that was always something he emphasized, do something that makes you happy. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I went to Florida State and uh, I was actually an English major. I was a writing major and I, I, I thought, you know, my, my plan kind of was to go to grad school and study uh, screenwriting, to go to a film school and study screenwriting. Um, and I, so I, I had like a revelation uh, and I kid you not, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, you know, I was like playing beer pong at a party or something. I think I was drunk and I just had one of those like moments of clarity, you know, and, and, uh, and I got to thinking about it and I said, you know what? Uh, most people don't get opportunities like this in their life. And if I don't at least give it a shot, then, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot. Right. So I, I, I have to at least try it. If I don't like it, then whatever, you know, I'll figure something else out. Um, but I should, I should try it, you know? So, so not too long after that, you know, I, I, I called my dad and then, you know, uh, we got together in Miami when I was on break and, you know, we, we met and, and kind of went over what the plan would be. And, um, so immediately after I graduated, so, you know, me and my buddies all graduated the same day, throw a huge party. I mean, I, I'm, I was shit faced, you know, and, and I got onto a plane at like uh, about four in the morning. I had to take a shower, put on a suit, and then I got onto a plane and I landed in New Orleans for the trade show. So I went directly from the party to the trade show and I, I started immediately, you know, it was it was there was no break whatsoever. And uh, I, I started off as a sales rep, so I covered I covered the state of Florida, uh, which is you know from Pensacola to Key West, about 200 stores, and uh, I did that for a little over three years, like three and a half years, um, and then I moved down here to Dominican Republic to uh, to work at the factory, and I've been here for like 10 years now. So, what's your favorite part of the job, and then what part do you kind of? not like as much i would say i won't say hate but sure. what part not like <laughs> <laughs> um my my favorite part of what i do is is the creative work right so that's you know it's always been important to me to do something creative with my life and uh so i kind of latched on to to that here as as soon as i could right so um you know i, I have a big part in like the designs and the rings the boxes the blends the the conceptualizing of brands and, and uh, the development of them, social media ads, things like that. Um, so yeah, any, anything creative these days, I'll be, you know, I've, I've got my hand in on, in one way or another. 
uh, that that's my favorite thing. That's that's what really moves me. Uh, my least favorite part is uh, <laughs> there's always stuff that nobody wants to do. There's you know you got to remember to follow up on this and that, and then you got this problem here. You, you know, it, it, I don't hate anything about the job, uh, but the creative stuff is what I love most. Yeah, it, like I said, it always it takes me back to conversations I've had with different people in the industry, like Michael Herklotz, who says. So many people see Instagram and that's a curated version of our lives. So they think the cigar industry is all travel and fun and parties and drinks and stuff like that. And he says, but you don't post pictures, of course, of the days where you're spending like nine hours in front of a computer or trying to get your your bands printed, you know, trying to, to stay on top of stuff because that's not the fun part. But it's all a necessary part of the evil. Um, of of the working process, so exactly, yeah. They, they don't see like you know the the six hour road trips from like Arkansas to Mississippi, and then you're staying in like a motel because it's the best the best thing in town, and you know it's it's not always as as pretty as people think it is. And um, when you were talking about the creative part, you know, I, I always think that's a part that of La Florida Minicana story that people don't get because branding is such you know an important part of what sets your brand apart from you know, and your products apart from anybody else in the humidor. And so there's like, I think if you could just take us through some of like the backstories behind some of these cigars that you all have put out, because I know that they have some artistic influences like Lanotte's um, and Illusion Bull, like where did the, in, where did the inspiration come from for these releases? Sure. Um, well, L Lenox, uh, the inspiration for Lenox came from the, the, the Brazilian rapper that it uses, right? So uh, it, it was this rapper that we had gotten a hold of recently, and um, I, just, I just fell in love with it very quickly. It had these, these really dark, like these dark chocolate notes and, and kind of like coffee notes. And it was, it was very different because, you know, we're, we're known for making very powerful kind of spicy cigars. Mm -hmm. And this this just had like the it's a totally the opposite the opposite end of the spectrum you know like I always see the flavor spectrum is kind of like spice on one side chocolate on the other and then you know kind of nuttiness in the middle I, I simplify it that way in my head but so this was like very much on the opposite end of the spectrum from what we're uh, we're known for you know and I you know I, I I tasted that that wrapper and I I just I wanted to blend something around it you know and I didn't know what the cigar was going to be called or anything uh, but I wanted to go for those darker flavors and uh, you know so we got to blending and you know came out with the blend and it was perfect right it, it had exactly what I wanted with these dark flavors it's kind of roasted coffee cacao um, and the flavors themselves kind of ended up inspiring the theme uh, which was the Knox, which is Latin for the night, right? Um, so that's when we got to work on on the packaging and everything. And and uh, obviously, you know, it's night themed. You got the moon on it. The, you have the circular box, which represents the full moon. You have the crescent moon on on the packaging. The the font that we use is actually um, based on um, Vincent Van Gogh's handwriting because uh, I always love like the starry night paintings and all that, right? So that's where we took the blue from and. Uh, and then you know Lenox was born, right? So, so Lenox was one where the <clears throat> the uh, the flavors of the cigar led to the name and the packaging and everything. Um, and Delusion Bowl was was a different. The the journey was a little different, right? So, my father was uh, was in Belgium, um, and he was visiting. He was with our distributor there. He was visiting some shops and you know getting to know the market a little bit. 
and uh, he took an afternoon off to go visit um, a good friend of ours, Fred. Right? Fred owns Jay Cortez Cigars, uh, which is a, uh, a, a you know Fred. Yeah, Fred Van Vermeulen. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> the best guy in the world. Fred's yes. the coolest guy ever. I, I love him. But yeah, so for those that don't know, Jay Cortez, very old uh, European company. They they do a lot of not so much premium cigars, but they're in the machine made. They're in pretty much any segment of tobacco out there. But they did recently buy Oliva, right? So that mm -hmm. they are now fully into the premium category. Um, but so my dad went to go visit Fred and and you know took took the afternoon to go see him at his office. And uh, you know, so they, they were in the office, and at one point Fred had to leave and go take care of something. Uh, so when Fred leaves, my dad gets to snooping around a little bit in the office, right? And he he finds his old wooden cigar mold uh, with the shape, right, the 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 bull shape, and uh, he snuck a picture of it and he sends it to me. And uh, you know, we chatted about it like that's that's really that size is cool. You know, we should do something with it. And uh, so and I. I I'm looking at it and I got to thinking that the size reminded me of something powerful, right? Like a bull, like a bull was the first thing that came popped into my head. Um, but I wanted to add a little more depth to that idea, you know? So um, eventually just Andalusian bull popped into my head, you know, Andalusia is a region in Spain, uh, which is kind of the Mecca for bullfighting. You know, that, that's, that's where all that stuff originated. Um, and I just, I love the way it rolled off my tongue. It sounded cool. And, uh, you know, it it also worked because it was kind of a tribute to my father's birth, birth country of Spain. Um, so I like the name. I like the idea. And we got to work on the packaging first. Um, and so, yeah, you know, you got the green, which represents the, uh, the, the Andalusian flag. You have, obviously, the bullfighter. You've got the, uh, the, the kind of, like, decorative swirls that come out that you know we took that from like bullfighter uniform patterns uh you got the bullseyes all around the bullfighter and then the font again was actually based on uh, pablo picasso's handwriting because he's from andalusia uh you know and a lot of his famous paintings include bulls and things like that right so uh that's how that whole thing came together so we, with this one we actually had the packaging done before the cigar was ever blended you know and then then we kind of got to work on blending the cigar and uh so so yeah we 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 both we both collaborated on that one and and uh we went through yeah probably a good 30 blends or so uh, until we got it perfect and we both agreed on it and uh and then the rest is history right <laughs> and what we never expected to happen happened right the cigar the cigar was it was it's a big cigar it's kind of expensive this was meant to be like a celebration thing something you smoke on new year's or like a baby's born or whatever uh, and then it wins number one cigar of the year and it just becomes this monster beyond anything we could ever imagine. And we were totally unprepared for it. This cigar was never supposed to be that, you know, and, uh, but it, 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 that's what happened and, and we're very happy for it. But the Andalusian bull really, it, it became this uncontrollable animal, you know? Yeah. And I was wondering about that. Like when you all, win something like cigar of the year from cigar aficionado and suddenly everybody wants to try that cigar is like what is that reaction like is it both like a like yay and then like a man like now like now we have to like you know now there's like all your retailers are, are saying like i need it in store and all this stuff like what is that like what's that experience like 
that that's I mean it's a good way to sum it up. It's it's amazing, unbelievable, holy shit, and then and then reality sets in, and you're like, holy shit, <laughs> what are we gonna do now? Because I mean, so the bull had had like uh, we had released it to the market, I think maybe in October, September, October, and then in December it won number one. So it was only a span of like a couple months. Most people had never even didn't even know the cigar, you know. Like there was tons of smokers, I think, that that saw that and said, "What the hell is the Andalusian Bull? I've never even seen that." Uh, so, so yeah, of course it, the and and here's the thing is that you know they don't tell you. You got no prior warning. You find out when everybody else finds out, and you know they they changed. I think they do it in January now, but back then they did it at the end of December. Um, all cigar factories in Dominican Republic close for three weeks at the end of december right so there's, there's like this three-week holiday break and it was announced the day before we closed the factory right so this gets announced the phones in miami rang like you would never like i mean there's nothing comparable to it you know the poor girls at the office were they didn't know what to do you know and then meanwhile the factory closes right <laughs> so there's like nothing we could do for three weeks we were just collecting orders and orders and orders that we can't even come close to filling you know so uh and then you know we, we we came back you know in january and and got to work but at the end of the day uh the the philosophy applies man we we made what we can make and right. we continue to make what we can make you know the andalusian bull is still backordered to all hell you know and and it is what it is you know everybody complains about it but uh you know our our the way I, the way i like to see it is that we when it comes to the bull we like to make sure that everybody is equally unhappy with the amount that they get, you know, because that's the best that we can do. We can't, <laughs> nobody's happy with what they get and we're spreading it out as best as we can. But the, the demand for that cigar is the same today as it was in December, 2016, when it won, it, it hasn't changed. Right. So, uh, it's, it's due to that philosophy. You know, people might be upset that they can't find it, but when they do, it's the cigar that they wanted. And I also wanted to ask you about the football cigar, because every year around the Super Bowl time, you all release this football cigar, which is to me has become like, you know, one of those early year anticipated releases. You know, you're going to do it and, you know, you all change it up every year. So how did that come about? This actually came up as an idea in a in a cigar lounge. I think uh, Carney was a uh, John Carney or VP of sales. He, he was in a shop somewhere. Uh, and uh, I don't know, he got to talking with one of the retailers and this kind of idea just formulated there and then he brought it to us and it seemed cool. So all right, let's give it a shot. And, uh, it's been a huge success. People love it every year. Like you said, I think, you know, people are looking forward to it and people are like collecting, trying to collect the, the ones from every year and, you know, and it's, it's a super cool little project. Uh, it's very limited. Um, but, but it's fun. Everybody loves it, man. Yeah. It's one of those that you want to collect, but then you want to smoke. And so you're just like, what should I do? It's like a Sophie's Choice kind of thing. Like, just do I light it up? I know I have a, uh, I don't, I, I don't think I was able to get the one from this year, but I know I got the one from the previous years. So it's just one of those like fun releases that kind of, I think you all kind of came in and really owned that, you know, that time frame and that Super Bowl e event, which I thought was kind of ingenious because it's like, like I said, build an anticipation for it and yeah. do it in that limited release format and just get that demand up every year. I'm sure people start asking you all about it, you know, 
early on in the football season? Like, what's it going to be? Can I place my order now? Oh, yeah. We, we start preparing for this, like, you know, six, seven months before uh, the actual Super Bowl. So, yeah. Wow. Um, what's it like working with so closely with your dad? Because I think about that. I think not everyone could do that. <laughs> but I, it looks like you all have fun because I like I've seen some of your Instagram posts and some of the videos that you all do. You all are always kind of laughing and you do some little comedic takes sometimes. And he yeah. seems I know like from going to the factory that one time um, with Pro Cigar is that he's very lively. He seems like a character within himself. So oh, oh he's, 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 a, he's a character like like few others. There's not many like him. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, man, I, I, I've heard a lot of horror stories about, you know, you know, working with your parents and family businesses in general. Um, it, it's just not the situation here. We, I, we get along awesome. You know, I think, I think we make an, a really good team uh, and, and we collaborate, you know, it, the, one of the things I always say, like one of the things I respect the most about my father is, is that, you know, I mean, he's Lito Gomez. He's got all the accolades in the world, Cigar Pachano Hall of Fame. He's been called, you know, the most innovative mind in the cigar business. I mean, you know, it, it, the list goes on and on. Uh, and all of that was before I had anything to do with the company. Right. So, um, but what, what I, one of the things I really admire about him is that he's always listened to my opinion and always, um, he's always, he will always hear me out, you know, whatever idea I might have, you know, and I, I come up to him with some crazy fucking ideas sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, he, he will always listen and he always, he, he's always open to my suggestions and, uh, you know, and, and if he decides not to go with my idea or if he disagrees with me, you know, he'll explain to me why. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we get along great. We, we have an awesome working relationship and, and, and yeah, I don't know, we're, we're almost like, he's like my best friend, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. So, so no, no, no family business horror stories here. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it couldn't be better really. You have a, a, a memorable Lido moment that you wanted to share with people? <laughs> I got a lot of memorable <laughs> Lido moments. Um, what in particular? Uh, shit. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know, man. My, my, my father's just a character every day, you know? Like, sometimes you, you, you walk... You, I like walk into the office and he's like blasting Bocelli like a, a fucking a thousand decibels and you can't even like work you can't concentrate he's he's like he, he's he has he's got these mood shifts you know it's like some days you walk in and he's he's like bright and sunshine and he's like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm cooking this I'm doing that but some days you walk in and he's like yelling and oh shit you know so so like I always like plan out like if I'm if I have an idea to present or something like you know you always have to like gauge the mood you know <laughs> it depends has he had his coffee yet has he had a cigar is he good did he eat you know and then <laughs> and then you go in for the kill when you think the time is right <laughs> um you know when like I said I've been out to your factory during pro cigar one year and you have like this this mural. And I'm sure you get asked about it a lot. It's the Statue of Liberty mural. Yeah. Like, what's the story behind that? That's that's our interpretation of Lady Liberty. That's what it should be. You know, we should <laughs> let us fucking smoke a cigar if we're old enough to do it. Jesus, man, our 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 government is just so irrationally. Uh, they're fighting us so irrationally. You know, none of this makes any sense, and they know it. They don't care, right? Um, 
but I, I don't I don't understand why a legal age adult isn't allowed to do things that legal age adults can do. I mean, I mean what's the big fucking deal, right? So it, it's just you know our interpretation of it. It's I think. You know, we, we, we say that the United States is a free country. We like to say that a lot. But, you know, every day it is less and less, you know. Um, it's it's kind of just a thing that we like to say to ourselves. But it's becoming a nanny state, man. Yeah. It's funny. The last time, like, I think it was 2019 when I did the Pro Cigar Tour in La Florida, Dominicana. And it started off at the, at the farm and the field. And that was awesome. You know, you put on the little booties to walk through the mud and stuff like that. Uh-huh. We went to the curing barn and um, got saw Lita on a horse and everything. So we got like a full fat. And then like right as you think it's over, it's like, no, like it's not over. Like get onto the buses and we're going to go to, you know, the factory. And you like you say, you get to see Lito cook. The weird yeah. thing about that for, for me in 2019 was like when we did that, I was on the bus and our bus got lost going to your factory. And... The person didn't speak English. So while I was on there with a bunch of English speaking people, which is kind of rare for Pro Cigar because it's international. So you never know what you're going to get. There's always this. There should always be some Spanish speaker, right? Yeah, but it was like nobody could communicate with this guy. And uh, we we're all from the United States, apparently. And he was just like driving around, <laughs> had no idea where to go. Uh, and I remember he stopped off at different towns in, in between asking, did they know where law enforcement kind of factory was? It was the strangest. I was just like, we're never going to get anywhere. Like we, like we didn't have the pro cigar people's number or we were called them and stuff. It was just a strange thing, but luckily we got there and everything was, it was like great. And like I said, you got the, like, the Lido food, but that was just the most bizarre, you know, cause yeah. it, you kind of are like out there, but I don't know what out yeah. there is compared to like law for, you know, for Dominican Republic, but it was, it was a nice so, well from from the farm to the factory there, there's a lot of no man's land in between yeah. <laughs> i just remember i was like riding along and i was like oh no i was like this isn't like one of those like moments because everybody was like sir are you lost and he just like will look back at us and just like keep driving and then like i said it was, it was just the strangest bizarre uh thing but anyway not to uh diverge but uh you had you were there's like certain releases and I wanted to talk about the NFT project and also the ashtray project, but I wanted to show people a visual of this. So let me get it set up real quick. Uh, because I think it's a really cool and I think you kind of have to see it to, to really get the full effect. Okay. So can you tell us about, this ashtray and what makes it different from any other ashtray this uh this was my father's passion project uh throughout covid uh we we both like we both like uh you know the, the factory was closed for a while and then when it reopened it was like only a half capacity so i mean there there was like you know some free time to kind of you know work on some things and uh the ashtrays were my, my dad's passion project. He, he, he started doing this, uh, you know, around the beginning of COVID and, uh, and we're, we're, we're both alike in, in this, this thing, in this sense that, you know, like we, we, we latch onto a thing and then we just get totally obsessed with it, you know, and this became this, this total obsession of his, uh, making these ashtrays, right? I mean, we've got, we've got a whole laboratory set up at the factory. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Like he, he, 
he made he made it himself like this this uh, vacuum machine like a like a vacuum pump machine that 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 takes all the the air out of the resin and you know that makes it like perfectly smooth and pristine and perfect it looks like glass um but so yeah these the cool thing about these ashtrays one is like they're beautiful right the, the colors the way like the light shines through and reflects out uh they're just fucking beautiful but like they're actually made by us uh here at the factory right so these are almost handmade i mean these are these this isn't like crap from china like cheap shit from china like we're we're making this here uh and, and this is like something that took like a year and a half two years to, to really perfect um so so there they are i mean they're, they're they're fucking gorgeous uh we we think that they're more than just ashtrays i mean it's it's like a decoration piece really you put this in this is something you want to put in your house like uh in the center table or you put on your desk it, it's beautiful you know yeah, and I think it's a nice statement piece. Like you say, when yeah. you think of ashtrays, like for me as a child of the 80s, I think of, you know, you had some decorative ashtrays, but it was mostly just like a little glass bowl or whatever, and yeah. nobody really gave it any thought. But this is like art pieces. I mean, like the yeah. color really pop, and it's just like, like you said, something that even if you don't smoke, I could see you easily kind of putting it in the middle of a table and having people like really admire it and it's a conversation starter, which is always to me like what you will want out of a an accessory. Absolutely. And now the next project was, like I said, the the NFT project. So um, this is just like some different shots of this NFT. So for people, I've always wanted to talk about NFTs on here, and I never had the opportunity to. But could you tell people who are listening, like, what is an NFT, and then how did you all manage to like merge? something so new school <laughs> with the traditional, <laughs> uh, you know, the traditional cigar industry, because that's a hard right. mix sometimes. Right. Um, so let me, uh, I'll, I'll try to explain it as, as simply as I can. Um, it's a little complicated, but it really, it's, it's more complicated than it sounds. So um, if you have a, a basic understanding of, you know, say Bitcoin or, or crypto in general, uh, you know, there a Bitcoin can be transacted from one person to the other without an intermediary, right? And the reason why is because of the blockchain. The blockchain is basically a virtual ledger that records all transactions that are made, and uh, it <clears throat> and it's concrete, it's solid, it never goes away, and it's and it's infallible, right? Because it's validated by thousands, hundreds of thousands of computers set up all over the world who validate the transactions right um and so in nft you can think of it as its own cryptocurrency right so this nft usually there's there's some kind of an image that represents it uh that image can be traded from one person to the other through the blockchain exactly the way that um uh a bitcoin is or or any other crypto coin right and um so the interesting thing is that the transactions are all recorded and the, the NFTs can have uh, something in it called a smart contract. Um, basically, rules can be programmed into it. Um, and again, this is all computer-based algorithms. Like It, it never fails, right? So uh, the whole paper trail of all the owners is within the code of that NFT and it never goes away. So you'll you'll always have proof 
that this is the original one that you can trace back to the original maker of it, right? Um, but no, 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 that doesn't really matter, right? Um, what we're doing here is is a is an experiment. We're doing another crazy experiment, right? So, uh, like we were talking about before, we have no family history in cigars. You know, this was all a crazy idea that my had had my dad had twenty eight years ago. And you know, the one of the cool things that I love about LFD, and you know, it like like if I were a cigar smoker, if I were on the other side. I would be attracted to LFD because LFD is just, I, I think LFD is unique and it does things its own way, right? We've never tried to recreate the classic brands. We've never tried to be like the classic brands uh, because I think that's a losing battle, right? The, the classics are the classics and that's it. There's not room for new classics, you know? Uh, so I think you should do your own thing. You should, you should kind of create your own image, your own vibe. And that's what we've always done. So we've always, been innovative when it comes to sizes and packaging and this and that. And uh, so I think eventually somebody was going to do this and why not us, right? I think we were perfect for it. Um, so it, this project started February of last year. Um, I remember I was at my house, I was smoking a cigar and I think I was, you know, I was like reading through Reddit. Um, and then, you know, I started, this is like when the whole NFT thing kind of became mainstream. And I'm seeing all this stuff about NFTs and this guy Beeple sold one for I don't know how many million dollars. And, 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 you know, I immediately, I'm just like, you know, what the fuck is an NFT? You know, <laughs> what is this? And then, you know, so I do my research, you know, I went down the rabbit hole. I started watching videos and, you know, reading anything I could. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I, I get to thinking like, how can I get involved in this? You know? Um, and I was smoking the cigar and, you know, I looked at it and like the light bulb goes off and I'm like, well, can this be an NFT? <laughs> and, and sure, why not? You know, so that, that's how the whole concept started. Um, and it took a lot more research from there. We, we partnered up with a, a company called Eureka that's involved in this whole crypto NFT space, you know, because there's, there's technical aspects to it that are just, you know, beyond my pay grade. So we needed some help. Um, so that's the idea. Now, the actual cigar is uh, the one I'm smoking right here. Um, this is the Andalusian Bold Blend, um, but in what I consider to be the perfect cigar size, right? It's a 42 by six and a quarter uh, Lonsdale. Um, for my taste, it's the best size. And this blend in this size, I mean, it's my favorite cigar in the world. I, I, I've been in love with this cigar for like almost three years now. As I started making them just for myself um, a few years back. You know, I'd hand them out to friends and colleagues and uh, always with the idea that, you know, I, I figured eventually we would release it, but I wanted to do something special with it. I just didn't know what. And I was just waiting for the idea to come, you know. And then sometime later is when the whole NFT concept came to my head. And, and I was like, this, this cigar is fucking perfect for it, right? Um, so, so yeah, basically we're, we're doing a big experiment. This is uh, something that's never been done in the industry before. And uh, what we're doing is we're going to auction off seven NFTs. Um, and those seven people are going to be the only seven people in the world with the rights to purchase the cigar. All right. So this is going to be a very limited, very exclusive thing. Um, they'll be allowed to purchase up to 70 cigars per month. And they're also going to get uh, you. You had the picture of it there. The the 
we call it the gold bullion humidor, right? Which is humidor. It looks like a gold brick, fucking beautiful. Uh, and it's going to have 50 cigars in it. We'll have their, their name. It'll be personalized. And then, you know, after that, they'll be able to order up to 70 cigars per month for as long as they own the NFT. Um, and the cool thing about the NFT is that this is an asset. It's technically an asset and it can be resold, right? So at any moment, if you decide you want to sell it, you can put it up for sale. And in theory, it can increase in value, right? Um, just like a stock or a, a crypto coin or anything like that. And that's that's kind of the concept behind it. What I like about it is that usually when you, with some NFTs, you don't get anything from it other than you own. It's like, you know, if it's artwork, you own that artwork, which is cool, but it's like, what do you do with it after that? So with this yeah. NFT, you at least get something out of it and you keep getting something out of it. It's not just like a one-time thing, which I thought was really cool. And I was thinking about it this morning and thinking like, this was like perfect for a boutique. You know, I know we don't like that word, but a kind of boutique mentality and that you want to make something, you know, not mass produce it, but in really special quality and make it special. And this is the perfect way to do that. And, and to like, you know, get people who are really fans of your, your brand, like behind it. So yeah. I'll be really curious to see how quickly those NFTs uh, sell once they go kind of on the auction. Yeah, we're, we're going to see what happens, man. But yeah, it, it's like you said, you, you, you touched on an important point. Uh, NFTs, I think the art-based NFTs, for the most part, I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't see the value in it. I think it's strange because, you know, a painting is one thing because you can see the brush strokes of the artist, right? The, the, the original painting is the original painting. But if you can screenshot an NFT, it's exactly the same. There's no difference. The only difference is that the original one is technically worth money because it was traded on the blockchain and, and blah, blah, blah. But really, there's no actual difference, right? And, and I don't get it. I don't see the value in it. But I'm an idiot because I didn't make millions of dollars on it, right? <laughs> Um, but I, I like the technology behind it, right? I, I, I love the technology behind the NFTs and I always, and I figured this is going to evolve into things that make more sense. Um, something like this, right? Cause the, the idea is we, I don't want to just sell an image, you know, this has real value, like real world, tangible value. And that's the idea. I don't want to sell some bullshit picture because I, I, I don't believe in that. Um, but I do believe in real value, right? This is tangible. And so, yeah, so that, that's an important point. Yeah. And like uh, if people want to learn more about NFTs, uh, if you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk, he's talking, he talks about NFTs almost every single day now. Yeah. <laughs> so you can learn a whole lot by just listening to him. But basically the idea is like you were explaining, Tony, is that it's a contract. And so right now it's kind of amorphous and it's just, something super new, but five years from now, 10 years from now, we'll probably see more NFTs uh, coming into our lives in, in some form. Like it could be a concert ticket, you know, it, yep. it could be uh, an apartment lease. It could be a yep. condo lease. It'll be like, there, there's already houses being sold as NFTs. That's already, that's already begun. Exactly. Uh, but you're going to see it. This is going to revolutionize the music industry, entertainment. There's going to be a lots of uses for this. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Exactly. And it'll be interesting to see, like I said, how, because now you, you all will be able to say that you were 
you know, the pioneers of this in the cigar industry, because somebody else, you know, <laughs> will come along and they'll try to, to, to outdo you all in some way and make it better. And then it'll be just a process. And, you know, 20 years from now, the cigar industry will be all NFT based, like, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at PCA or whatever trade shows are in existence at that point. You will, you know, you all will be selling NFTs to the retailers to, you know, make them exclusive carriers of this cigar, that cigar, and, you know, this limited edition exclusive and stuff like that. So it'll be fun to see how that evolves. We'll see. I think a lot of people are going to be watching to see how this plays out because I have no idea how this is going to play out. We'll see. I mean, I, it could be genius. I could look like an idiot. We'll, <laughs> we're going to see. But I think a lot of people will be watching to see how this plays out. And, uh, if it's successful, then yeah, I think it, this won't be the last time that somebody does one. But uh, it, it was it was super important to me to be first. You know, yeah. I think being first, the the first of its kind was uh, like the goal. So like for a year and a half, man, like I had sleepless nights, just like just thinking like oh, any minute now somebody could release one, somebody could release one, and you know, it, it, so it was like it was very stressful, you know. But we 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 got to announce it first at least, so that was good. Awesome. So speaking of trade shows, what do you all have coming up for PCA? I know that's coming up in a couple of weeks and you all were were not able to come last year, but you're making a big return this year. So what can people expect out of La Florida Dominicana at this uh, year's trade show? So we've we've got one major release and uh, we teased it a little bit uh, the other day. Let me see. Yeah, we, we teased this on our Instagram. Um, Solis is our new project. These are the bands. Um, and uh, Solis is an is a interesting project because this is the first time that uh, my little brother, uh, Lito Jr., collaborated with us on a project. Um, he's just finishing up at, uh, at UM now. He's finishing up his college. And, and uh, you know, we're going to put him to work soon. But, you know, he, he uh, he's... For years, he's he's like wanted to do a project, you know, and uh, and this was his idea. He wanted to do he wanted to do a contrast to Lenox, right? So the idea is it's it's gonna have the same round box, um, the cigars will be the same size, but totally different blend, uh, much lighter color wrapper, much brighter flavors. Uh, it, it it's kind of like that's the idea. Is like we're we're doing the the opposite of the Knox, right we're completing right. the circle the sun and the moon um and that's the idea so you know he every time he's on break you know from school you know he comes down and then you know we've we've been working on blends together and uh you know working on the packaging and and the idea and you know over the last uh couple of years we we put this project together and now uh we're releasing it man so it's that's an exciting one i'm looking forward to seeing that i'll be at pca this year for uh i think maybe not the whole time but definitely on the, the Saturday and Sunday and maybe part of that Monday. So I'll definitely yeah. make an effort to stop by and uh, check that project out. So perfect. Um, perfect. at this point in the show, when we're getting ready to wrap up, I usually like to have you uh, play a uh, advice columnist to our listeners and watchers. So there's two questions I usually ask. One of those questions is what is your, why, what motivates you to do what you do? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, I, I just, I like to make things that I like, right? <laughs> so 
I mean, we make cigars, you know, we, we make a cigar and we're making it for us. Like I, I'm making a cigar that I want to smoke. Uh, and then, you know, you, you hope that the market agrees with you, but then they were, we make things because we love cigars. We love to smoke cigars and it doesn't matter if it's LFD or a different brand. A great cigar is a great cigar and I'll enjoy any cigar, but we, we, I like to make things that I enjoy. You know, I like to, I'm, I'm very, you know, it, it's almost, almost sounds selfish, but I'm making everything for me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when, when it comes to packaging and art and whatever, like I, I'm trying to please myself, you know, I'm trying to make something that, that, you know, I, I step back and look at, I'm like, that's fucking cool. You know, it's that, this, that satisfaction that you get from something. That's, that's what I'm always chasing. That's like the high, you know? And, and so that's really it where I'm, I'm just trying to make shit that I like. Awesome. Um, the second question is someone comes to you and they say, you know, they have an idea for a business uh, that they want to start on their own, but they have no idea where to get started or how to get started. What advice do you give that person on how to get started? And it might be a cigar business. It might not be. So. Well, that's a good one. I, uh, I've never started the business, right? So I, I didn't start LFD. I, I walked into a, fully well-oiled machine um but i i if if i if i give any advice on that man it, it would be you have to figure out who you are i mean it, it's not just branding but it's it's what does it mean like you you what is the message that people are going to think what what are people going to imagine in their head when they see your logo you know when they think of your brand what's the first thing that comes into their and that's the message that you need to control. And it, that's a very fickle thing, right? You, you, you have to nurture the shit out of that. And if you don't, well, uh, uh, misfortune will probably uh, be in your future. But you, you, have to, you have to have a mission and you have to stick to it and, and never lie to your customers and be honest. And, and dude, uh, try to be the best, right? I mean, if you're going to compete, if you're going to make a product, I don't know, don't, don't make a cheap one. I'd say try to go and, and be the best one, right? Or amongst the best. Um, because, you know, if say, say you're, you're running a cigar factory that just made like makes mass produces low quality stuff. It's really almost the same amount of work as a factory that's making high quality stuff. Like you're, you're like 90% of the way there. And it's just, you know, the little details that, that, you know, make the difference, but it's almost the same amount of work. So if you're going to put in the work, make it good. Awesome. I think that's advice anybody can follow. So that's exactly what I was hoping to get out of that question. Um, as we kind of wrap up for today, uh, can you tell people what, in, what social media they need to follow, what websites they need to go to in order to keep up with Law for Dominicana and also yourself? Sure. Uh, Instagram is the, the most important place to, to follow us and, and stay updated. Um, we're going to be releasing a, a launch page for the NFT uh, pretty soon this week uh, where we're going to have all sorts of instructions and kind of just lay everything out and we'll reveal the actual art of the NFT. Um, and so that, that'll be coming very soon. So that'll be something to keep on, you know, to look out for. We're going to be posting a little bit more about the new projects for uh, IPCPR as well. And uh, just, you know, the, the, the goings of, of the company. And, you know, I, I take pretty cool pictures and those are they're nice to look at too. So give them a like if you see them, you know, we appreciate that. 
but uh, yeah, Instagram LFD Cigars. That's uh, the best place to keep up with us. Well, awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on today and, like I said, sharing the La Florida Dominicana story with us. And maybe at some point we can uh, convince your dad to come on here. And uh, I'm sure he'll have some interesting stories to share with us. And uh, and to, so I definitely want to maybe put that out there and get that in the works at some point this year. But I'm looking forward to seeing you and the La Florida Dominicana team at the trade show in a couple of weeks and uh, continuing to share your story with the listeners and watchers of this little uh, meek little podcast I'm putting on. <laughs> well, likewise, brother. I look forward to seeing you and, and thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, for those of you watching on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, just make sure you hit that like button or subscribe button to be notified of any time we have new content coming out. Uh, you can also go to deepcutslive.com to see this interview in its entirety later on tonight and also the other 92 episodes of Deep Cuts Live. And uh, we do have an unannounced special show coming out tomorrow. Um, so there'll be more stuff on that on Instagram. Or if you're watching this in the past tense, you probably already see it, what it is. So I'm looking forward to uh, having two kind of industry heavy hitters uh, on Deep Cuts, you know, Tony Gomez, and now tomorrow it'll be uh, a follow-up with Matt Booth, who, of course, made news last week uh, with um, Room 101. So uh, we'll be getting a scoop on that tomorrow in a special show. So Goofy's uh, the man. I ask him about Acapulco. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I always like having questions. I will, so I'll definitely ask him about that and see uh, how he responds. Uh, hopefully it'll be an interesting response. Um, yeah, but thank you again, Tony, for coming on. And thank you, everybody, for watching. And until next time.